Pure Wow presents Stream On, your weekly download of TV and streaming news and reviews. And now, your hosts, Phil Mutz, Pure Wow's VP of News and Entertainment, and Rachel Golmi, Pure Wow's Managing Editor of Branded Content. Well, hey, Rachel. Hi, Phil. Sometimes that music laughing. gets me oh. dancing. I <laughs> Wait, love I was this. just la- I was just <laughs> going to say to myself, I, the music, I was just like laughing it. to it because it's, it still and always reminds me of Panera, but I love that. So. It reminds you of Panera? Like <laughs> yeah, Panera Bread? Panera, yeah, because it's so like jazzy. I don't I, even... <laughs> I, jazzy is the right word. I love it. <laughs> or like a weird Starbucks, but I feel like Starbucks isn't really jazzy anymore. No, I... I, I if they God. ever were. I'm not like... I worked at a jazz club years ago and like... Did you? In a very unglamorous role as waiter. Uh, and it was like the worst. It like ruined jazz for me. So I feel like <laughs> oh, I'm finally... No. Well, I'm finally able to appreciate jazz again. It's been like a decade. So way more in than a decade. In our pod actually. intro. Yes, exactly. Um, well, So you and I had some homework from last week, I remember. Yeah. I told Told you that you have to watch Bo and Yang, uh, star of Fire Island uh, and also Saturday Night Live, in that iceberg sketch where he plays an iceberg on Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live. And did you watch it? I did. <laughs> and I was cracking up. Uh, to be honest, sometimes, and I, I told you this, um, but I'm like not the biggest SNL fan. I've mm-hmm. been watching the later seasons, but you know, I'm not like a diehard fan. Sure. All the way back. So every and every sketch is obviously a hit or a miss. But this one, I was laughing out loud. It was so funny, and so I mean the good. costume alone. Like, oh yeah, his, uh, a giant iceberg, iceberg on his head, and yeah. all the, the crystallized white suit. Oh my god! It's just such a funny concept that like to like personify personify a, a an iceberg, but also that the iceberg takes offense that we blame him for sinking the Titanic. Such a funny, funny idea. Uh, (laughs) Well, I'm glad you you liked it too. I loved it. And I also had a little bit of homework. I did say I was going to find out where is Barb now, especially since we talked about Stranger Things uh, season four. And because volume two is coming July 1st, we we took a look back at Shannon Purser, who (laughs) earned an Emmy nomination for season one, is Barb. Uh, So, okay, so first of all, Barb has 1.1 million followers on Instagram. Wow. Which is crazy because she hardly ever posts. Her last, like, in-feed pic was two months ago. And, like, I just, I looked at her Instagram story and she did post one today, but it was, like, about a dog or something about, I don't know, being tired. I was like, this this <laughs> is what your 1.1 million followers are getting. Uh, fascinating that she has so many followers. That is fascinating. So I took a quick look. So in 2017, she came out as bisexual on Twitter, which I don't think I kn- knew. And then more recently, uh, she played Ethel Muggs, a recurring character on Riverdale. And oh. she just played someone named Peg in one episode of The First Lady on Showtime. So she's still working. So, you know, good for you, Barb. Uh, fingers crossed. I wish her real name was Barb. I know. Good for you, Shannon. Uh, I hope you get another Emmy nomination sometime uh, very soon. Old Shan. Old Shan. I have a question. Go. So do you? <laughs> because I feel like I run into this dilemma. Yeah. Like when I fo- when I go to follow a celebrity on Instagram and they have like you know two posts or t- whatever twenty posts, and I'm like, mm, but I actually want to follow them. But then I don't – you know what I mean? Do you ever get into that little weird conundrum? Yeah, but I I, at least I think a lot of them do show up in your Instagram stories because I think they're just – They're they're just not posting anything, like, of import. And, like, in Shannon Purser's case, perhaps she's not in that many things. So she's not, like, on a red carpet or getting ready for a red carpet, which often tend to be the in-feed things for celebs. So maybe, but – 
on another episode, That's a good we're, point. we're going to talk about wh- who we're following because I want to know who you're following and I want to oh. share some surprise of who I'm following. Well, we, that, we didn't even start the episode yet. Oh my gosh. We have okay, let's get into it. <laughs> so much to talk about today. We have Sandra Bullock's worst movie ever. Tommy, period, Shelby, period. Serious Buzz Lightyear drama. And the decade I'd go back in time for. I think I would go back to the 20s. The really? other 20s. Okay, well, I'll wait for, I'll wait till we get to yours. Okay. Um, okay, let's get to the news. This just in. This week's streaming news. Samantha Jones is back for season two of And Just Like That. And by back, we mean she'll be texting with Carrie again in the second season, according to Michael Patrick King. You can hear all the And Just Like That hot takes in Pure Wow's very own podcast, And Just Like That, a Sex and the City reboot podcast, hosted by yours truly and the brilliant Dara Katz. Available on iTunes. No, wait, what is it on? It's not on iTunes. What is it on? Apple <laughs> Apple Podcasts? Wow, I'm so bad at promoing. Oh, God. No, you got it. You got it. Genius. <laughs> Apple and Spotify, right? Same thing, right? I don't know. I don't, I don't another, think so. Another, <laughs> oh, my God. I don't even have Spotify. We'll talk about either. this later. Oh, my gosh. I've never met somebody else who didn't have Spotify. God, we're never oh going to get through this happening? episode. Okay. <laughs> More news. Oh, boy. <clears throat> Not only has Netflix officially confirmed a second season of Squid Game is coming, but they also put out a casting call, wait for it, a Squid Game reality competition series. No, this isn't a joke. 456 English language speakers from around the world will compete in games inspired by the show for a chance to win a cash prize of $4.56 million. Good luck. Patricia Heaton is pissed, and it's all because Chris Evans is the voice of Buzz Lightyear in the new Lightyear movie from Disney Pixar instead of Tim Allen. The Everybody Loves Raymond actress tweeted, Tim is Buzz. Why would they completely castrate this iconic beloved character? (laughs) Okay, calm down, Patricia. Oh, Patricia. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. Okay, calm down, Patricia. (laughs) Available for sale on (laughs) iTunes. Because I clearly understand how the internet works. If you're a kid from the 90s, you'll either hate or love this news. Netflix released a first look at its adaptation of Roald Dahl's Matilda the Musical. As much as I'd love Mara Wilson to reprise her leading role, we are getting Emma Thompson playing the villainous Miss Trunchbull. Crossing fingers, it's not a total flop. Plus, did y'all see Ryan Gosling as Ken from the new Barbie movie photo? Auga! <laughs> oh, and Hacks got renewed for season three. Boom, Gene Smart. Uh, that's a lot of news, but I, I do think it's kind of cool that there's this Squid Game reality show coming out. That's kind of weird. I don't know what my feelings are towards it. It's just, I, when I saw the, um, the promo for it on Instagram, I was confused at first and I had to go back and like rewatch it because... I mean, and then, like, the comments were so ridiculous. Like, people were like, oh, you want to go die? I'm like, what? Like, you okay. actually think people Netflix so is going to go killing people? Well, I mean, come I on. I did want to see how they would explain it. So I did go to the the website where you can apply, which is squidgamecasting.com. Yeah, I, I did. I went there last night. <laughs> you did, yeah. It says, it says, quote, the stakes are high, but in this game, the worst fate is going home and empty-handed. So I, I, they're making it clear nobody dies as if that were on the table Idiots. It's just, yeah, Come it's just on. so silly. But uh, so silly. Oh, uh, well, maybe we'll apply. <laughs> what are your hits for the week? What have you been watching? The hits of the week. I have a couple. My first one is Peaky Blinders, mm-hmm. final season on Netflix. I am so 
pumped for it. I actually had no idea it was even dropping. And then when I saw it on, you know, like the main uh, screen of Netflix, I literally gasped because I was like, <gasps> like, because it premiered on BBC not too long ago, but I had no idea when it was coming to Netflix. And I don't even think they really promoted it much. But anyway, this is the last season. Season six, right? Season six. Yes. It's the final season. I have no idea. I only watched the first episode and I have no idea how it's going to end because each, uh, they technically call them series. Each one only has six episodes, so they have to tie a lot up in five more episodes. Um, It's so good for anyone who hasn't watched it. It's about one of the most powerful gangs in England in the early 1900s after the Great War. And Tommy Shelby is like the leader crime boss of the Peaky Blinders. And their name comes from, so they sew, you know, like a newsboy cap? Yeah. So in the brim of the newsboy cap, they sew razor blades and when they're like fighting and doing their, you know, gang stuff, they take off the caps and like literally swipe them against people's eyes. To like blind them? And like the face. blinders? Oh my yeah. God. And well, I'm assuming that's why they're named that anyway. They actually never, really never go into it, but I mean, they go right across their eyes. So yeah, it's a little, it is pretty mm, violent. Not, well, I guess violent. I was going to say it's not that violent. It's more, it's, it is gory. But I love the time period, even though I did say before, because now it's in the it's in the 20s ish and 30s, even though I just said before that I wouldn't time go back to that one. They do have really cool costumes and they're always like so dressed up. And anytime I watch one of these like time this time period, can you imagine like having to get dressed in like a full tux? Every no, day? It, like no. to go get coffee. Or, it's no, just it's wild. enough. It's enough nowadays to like put on pants. You know, I, w- w- this is you know, and on Zoom calls, you don't even need you don't even need pants anymore. Yeah. But for the yeah. record, everyone, I am wearing pants on this uh, I mean, recording. I, we we got to get that out. Let's there. start every episode with. Are you wearing pants? Uh, I have seen. I saw the first episode of season one, uh, and I love it. It stars oh. Killian Murphy, and yes, it's yes. so good. He's so good in the pilot, and. Uh, I just love the old feel of everything. It really transports you to another time. It does. And I, um, this season, so one of the characters, she plays Polly, um, Helen McCrory. She unfortunately passed away from cancer in, last year before the final season was even shot. And she's a major character. And I was really curious to see how they were going to, obviously they have to kill her off. Mm-hmm. Um, they did it because, you know, you you see it in the first episode. Yeah. Um, they did it in a very, it makes sense with the show. Mm-hmm. And I think, Applaud them for that, for kind of obviously taking like extremely tragic news and fitting it in in a way where these characters can actually like truly grieve her death in real life and in the show, Mm. um, which I think is 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 hard to do. And I think they did a good job with that because that's always tough when you have to randomly, you know. Yeah, I remember when on and just like that in the middle of the season, you know, Stanford disappeared, you know, and because the actor, you know, had passed away. It was a and they had to deal with it on the show. They dealt with it differently. They didn't kill him off. He just left the country. But yeah, yeah, it's an interesting thing that actors in real life having to grieve a character and then having to deal with that on screen. Yeah, it's interesting and sad at the same time. Um, But the other the other thing I love so much about Peaky Blinders is that so Tommy Shelby is like not a good person, obviously. Yeah. is the crime boss of yeah, this I mean, he's hiding razor blades in his hat. It's so right. clearly this is, yeah. Right. Yeah. He is not a good person, but I feel myself rooting for him. And I'm like, mm. I like him. I, and I don't know if it's because his 
like his, you know, not the character, but like his character, Tommy Shelby, is just, he's so like has family values. And at the end of the day, like it does boil down to fan, like, but you're watching people like getting killed. It, but it's this just, is, this is all those shows, Rachel. I think that's, that's good TV writing. That's, this is the Sopranos. Yeah. You know what I mean? Tony Soprano True. is a terrible person, but it was all about family True. values. And it was, we, we like loved Tony Soprano, uh, like Breaking Bad, you know, you know, you, yeah. you rooted for Walter White, even though Walter White was a terrible person. Like They're literally all, the yeah, worst. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I have to, okay. I will go back and I will invest more time in this because I did like the first episode. But subtitles on because their accents are yeah, very accents. thick and yeah. it is hard to understand what they're saying. That is so, facts. Tips. Facts all <laughs> <Yes>. around. <laughs> uh, so one of my hits, I have uh, two this week, um, but one of my hits is, and we've talked about it before, is I love that for you on Showtime. And the reason I wanted to bring it back, and we've talked about it multiple times and both chosen this as a hit before, is that it's still going really strong. Um, it stars Vanessa Bear and Molly Shannon. You know, and the new episodes come each week, and episode eight drops this week. And it's about Vanessa Bear pretending she has, still has cancer to get ahead at a QVC-type network. But as the season progresses, we get some really juicy twists and juicy scenes from some of the supporting characters and supporting cast. Mm. Uh, and I kind of want to call it out because I think we... I, I'm eyeing an Emmy here or at least an Emmy nomination, Jennifer Lewis, who plays the big network boss, she's incredible. And she gets some really great storylines as we move along in the season. Uh, and her assistant, we, we've talked about him before, uh, Matt Rogers, is also really great. So later in the season, Jennifer Lewis, I'm not going to give Seth away, but she gets some heartbreaking news. And the way she plays it and the way it's written for her character, it's just really wonderful to watch. Um, and at one point, her character gets up on stage and plays the piano and sings this heart-wrenching and emotional number. Uh, and she's just so good. And I really, I just think she deserves at the very least an Emmy nomination. She's just really, really great. And then I also want to call out Rogers um, because he, we talked about him last week because he was in the Fire Island movie with Bo and Yang. And he's just so funny as the bitchy assistant. I love him. <laughs> he's so funny. Like he's giving me like Emily Blunt from The Devil Wears Prada. Yeah. Like Michael Yuri on Ugly Betty. He's just, like bitchy and funny, but it's also layered and nuanced. So I- I'm just glad that a show that's not really about those two characters, you know, and has some real like star power behind it, like Molly Shannon, you know, like that they're able to hold their own and really kind of sink their teeth into these parts. It's so fun to watch. Yeah, I love that. And I'm actually not fully caught up, but I did watch the episode last night where she gets up on the stage and does the piano. I, yeah, that, that episode, it was very good. And Vanessa Bayer, like you could tell that with the whole storyline, like her heart is also breaking and, mm-hmm. you know, just because she wants to support her. And I, I do, I have to finish that because I don't want to, I don't want to have it spoiled for me. So next topic, because I don't want you to yes. keep going. No, 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 no that's enough. I just think people should keep <laughs> watching this show on Showtime. Uh, did you have another hit or should I go? I did. Okay. What's your other hit? My other one is Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain on HBO Max. It's not mm-hmm. a new um, documentary. It came out last year in the theaters, but it just got, it just dropped on HBO Max and it's very good. It's from filmmaker, Oscar winner, Morgan Neville. You know, it just kind of shows the story of Anthony Bourdain, the chef who, was an unknown chef, which I actually, I learned a lot from that. I I think I have a little left finished, but I watched most of it and I didn't really know a lot of his backstory. So I found it really interesting, but he was an unknown chef who wrote this book. And then that just exploded. Like his whole career, he got obviously the TV show parts unknown. Unfortunately, he died by suicide in 2018 and at 61, which is young. And it's just, his story is 
you know, he like like a very tortured soul. I, I just didn't really know too much about him. The opening scene, I don't remember exactly what he says, but he's talking about like death and the way that he's speaking about it. I turned to my husband and I was like, I'm very uncomfortable because obviously, you know, like, you know, the situation you know happens, now. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I'm very uncomfortable watching this because it was just to it hear it in very, his own words. Yes. Yeah. It was very eerie. And like, he was essentially saying like when he dies, like he doesn't want it to be like a whole spectacle. It, it was just, it made me uncomfortable. And I mean, but the documentary itself is, it's very good. And I mean, I don't even know how they got the rights to all this footage because it goes back to, you know, when he f- was still working at, um, when he was still the chef at Leal and where he wrote Kitchen Confidential. And it's just very interesting. But I, I mean, if anyone's looking for a good documentary to watch, I would yeah, one. and you're not alone because it, it does have a, a 91% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So clearly people, uh, or the critics love it. And the people love it too. That's 94%. Yeah. So yeah, I need to check this out. I It, yeah. it, it was so tragic when it happened because like you said, it was so he was so young. Uh, and I, I just don't think I had known about like his mental health struggles and all of I that. I didn't either. Yeah. I, I mean, I really only watched his TV show and I, I want to read his book now. And it just, it just seems like he has such an interesting life. And from the documentary, he's a very introverted person, which I also find baffling because yeah. he doesn't come across that way. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend it. Excellent. I will add it to the list. <laughs> uh, so my other hit was uh, Queer as Folk on Peacock. And it stars a number of very talented uh, queer artists, including Johnny Sibley, who, uh, speaking of hacks, reading renews for season three, he played the, I don't know if you you're, you were caught up with season one, but he played the water guy who dates Gene Smart's assistant, yeah. Marcus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's great. And he was also in Pose. But Queer as Folk also stars Juliette Lewis from Yellow Jackets. And of course, we get Kim Cattrall, speaking of, and just like that, um, who makes a brief but memorable appearance in the very first episode. And she plays one of the, the mothers. And all eight episodes are currently out on Peacock. So there was a British version, there was an American version back in 2000 that kind of changed my life and kind of changed TV. It was groundbreaking. You know, there had never been simulated gay sex on TV before. It just had nothing had been attempted like that uh, in American television. And just, and, and especially the way it depicted the, the queer community in a very raw and complex way. But it, it also just had like the punny humor of sex in the city. So it, mm. it was like, you know, heartbreaking and deep. And then also would be just very funny and like campy and all of that at the same time. So I'm, I'm going to call this reboot a hit, but I want to add one big caveat, which I'll get to in a second. Um, so I, why I like it, uh, I think I like that it really leans into gay culture and gay sex. Um, this show is not for prude viewers um, by any means. Um, I like that it is way more representative of the full queer community um, and much more diverse. We kind of talked about this last week with, you know, Fire Island and how yeah. there was commentary on like, what it's like to specifically be a gay Asian male, uh, you know, and and things that are more nuanced than what queer representation typically has been uh, on television or in movies. And I like this offers way more diversity. It offers many more perspectives than the previous versions of the series by far. Um, I think the acting is great and it feels a little less cheesy than the previous versions. That's always good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, cause like, I, I, like sure it's enjoyable sex in the city humor, but you roll your eyes a lot at those jokes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Samantha jokes are great, but they're all like puns. And you're like, like, she's like, I can't wait to drink my water glass. And you're like, I don't know why you said it that way. That's not even a joke. That's just like <laughs> a, a, a way of saying something. I don't know. Um, so I like all of that, but I'm giving this a big asterisk 
there's a very big and very upsetting event in the first episode that happens towards oh. the end. Uh, and I knew it was coming because I had been told in advance. And there's a warning at the beginning of the episode. So I'm going to give the spoiler because they give the spoiler at the beginning of the episode before it even starts with this warning. We got a spoiler alert, everybody. Keep calm. So there, this, after that fun sound effect is a not fun plot point. Um, there's a shooting at the local gay club. And it is really hard to watch. Oh, I'm sure. And it, it just made me wonder if we really needed this as a plot point. Um, obviously, this comes just on the heels of the Pulse shooting anniversary, which happened this week in 2016. And I guess I'm conflicted because this is a real story. And it is a real fear. You know, going into a crowded place that should be a place of freedom and celebration when there are lots of people out there who hate you and hate what's going on inside that bar. And I, I know that it's a real story, but I also want to watch a show for escapism and and for the complex, interesting storylines about, you know, diverse individuals in the queer community. And this upsetting plot point almost makes me not want to watch mm. because it is such a real thing. Yeah. Um, I, I'm happy that they're not afraid to go there. But and I'm going to watch another episode. The show isn't a miss, but I just not I'm not sure I want to watch this plot line play out, you know, for very long, to be honest. You know, we, we, we've talked about this before, but like we go to TV for escapism and sometimes it's like, is this just feels too real, too close to home too? Yeah. you know, like especially like coinciding with the anniversary of the actual pulse shoot, you know, like there's just I don't know. It just it feels a little like. I just want to get to the enjoyable parts, just be, and it's from a selfish reason because that's what I want to see on TV. I I want to get away from the news, you know what I mean? And that yeah, was that's no, totally. old news, but not that old, you know? Yeah, so but, I mean, even you know. just with with everything happening now, like yeah. you don't shooting see still that. in the news, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah, playing out on TV, and this is not related, but this is how I feel about the the reboot of the original Law and Order, you know, and I think we spoke about this at some mm -hmm. point, but it's just I'm like, yeah, like I don't need to. I don't need to watch this. It you know? feels like, too it's, real. It, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's happening. Like I can turn mm -hmm. on the news. Yeah. But yeah. I totally, I, I get it. Yeah. You'll have to let me, so, you'll have to keep us posted. Though, I will. Like, I will. I, do I'm, continue. I'm hopeful that the acting will be great and that we'll be able to pivot from this quickly because it is a major plot point. So I don't know how they're going to pivot quickly. But anyway, yeah. I it is a hit. I do think it is a great show and worth watching. Um, And we, TBD, I've only watched the one episode, but they're all out. So you can keep going. Well, there are also some misses in the mix this week. Misses of the week. I actually didn't have a miss. Oh, well, I just said there were misses in the mix and you didn't have one. Uh, well, luckily, I have two. Oh, <laughs> oh man. I, I, can, I can get through them fairly quickly. Uh, the one is Ms. Marvel on Disney+. Plus. Okay. So it stars uh, Iman Vellani, and she plays uh, Kamala Khan, the heroine of our story. It's a Marvel series, Ms. Marvel. Uh, so it follows a 16-year-old named Kamala Khan, the heroine of our story. Uh, she's a Pakistani-American girl who's obsessed with Captain Marvel. And you know Captain Marvel was played by Brie Larson in the Marvel Universe. So I didn't even know. I okay, like, well, know absolutely nothing about well, Marvel. For those of you who didn't know, it's played by Brie Larson in the Marvel Universe. And this character lives in Jersey City with her family, and it includes, you know, the the it's a Pakistani-American uh, family. So there's, like, the strict parents who are fairly traditional but loving, uh, and it, everything seems like a typical teenage experience until she puts on a magical band, and it, like, gives her these cosmic powers and kind of makes her into Ms. Marvel. So I like Marvel stuff, 
uh, I've said this before, I've made this confession before, but I just don't like, it feels a little young for me. Um, yeah. Like I feel like I'm watching something that's, this this series specifically is geared more towards like a Nickelodeon Disney Channel crowd, if that makes sense. Like I, yeah, I don't know. It yeah, just, no, it does. It just, feels, it just feels young, whereas the other ones feel very adult and part of a universe. And the first episode is like, all origin story like we don't get mm. her to even put on this magical thing until the end of the episode and i know that every time they co- we come out with like a new spider-man they retell that like origin like how he becomes spider-man like every time we recast <laughs> yeah. it we have to like watch this again but i like we i watched this whole episode that was all origin story and i still am not quite clear what's going on or what the superpower is mm. it, to, it's just a miss for me i, I i'm not going to keep watching this but I will say I do love that we're getting some much-needed diversity in the Marvel Universe um, with this being a Pakistani family. Like, finally, it's not just that we're going to look around and all the Avengers are just a bunch of white people. We're going to, like, get some diversity in there. I know there's been some, but not a lot. Uh, so this is great. Um, but a miss for me, unfortunately. Oh, bummer. And the last miss I will highlight is there's another Father of the Bride that came out, a remake of the remake. So this one stars Andy Garcia and Gloria Stefan as the parents of the bride. And I haven't watched it yet, but we did review it for PureWow. And our assistant editor of news and entertainment, Joel Calfee, he only gave it three stars. And he said, Whoa. here's what he had to say. He said, quote, Father of the Bride is an undeniably important remake that highlights Cuban-American life and is led by an all-star cast. However, it too often relies on tension rather than laughs, leaving something mm. to be desired for viewers hoping for a lighthearted watch. The viewer can't help but feel like the story has run its course. You know, I, I mean, without having watched it, I would think this story has probably run its course. Do we really need another father of the bride? Uh, oh man. You know, I, you know, I had, and even the Steve Martin one was a, a, a remake 30 years ago. So perhaps we should just stop making this one, but that's all I have to say on the matter. I didn't watch it, but based on that review, I'm not gonna. Same. Well, we do have a special segment this week called classic spotlight. Stream on classic spotlight. Jazzy. <laughs> so do you want to kick things off? What was your classic spotlight this week? Yeah, I feel like that music kind of like goes into mine. Um, <laughs> but it was Pleasantville on Hulu. It's mm. from 1998. Um, it is actually, well, I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite movies, but I, I do really enjoy it. And it is a Reese Witherspoon movie. Um, it has Tobey Maguire in it. Obviously, plays Spider-Man. William H. Macy, Jeff Daniels, Paul Walker. It's a great cast. It is just about, so Toby Maguire plays this high school boy who is obsessed with this TV show from the 1950s, and the TV repairman finds a way, I actually don't even get this part, but he finds a way to like get him into that universe, like the actual TV, TV show. TV repairman played by Don Knotts. Yeah, yes, yes, thank you. Oh my God. I love this movie. Yeah, it's so good. So he takes his sister with him, who is Reese Witherspoon, and now they're living in this essentially like a TV set world. Um, it's black. It is black and white, and then it you know kind of eventually gets a little bit more modern. Um, but it's just about that then, and then them kind of living in this 1950s world, which is obviously very different than the one that they were in. And his sister Reese Witherspoon is kind of more rebellious and he's like everything has to stay the way that it is because you can't change the course and she's like no I'm gonna change the course um but yeah it's great and everyone kind of then starts to like find themselves especially the mother of them who's not their real mom she's the tv mom but that storyline is great too and I just I just love I love it yeah Jonah Allen as the tv mom is so great 
I mean, that yeah. scene, I mean, I know I'm about to talk about talk about masturbation on a podcast, but that scene where she's like in a tub and like finally like touches her own body for the first time yeah. and then like turns into color. It's like such a beautiful TV moment. I think like I, you you rewatched it and I haven't watched it in a while, but I think like lightning strikes a tree and like there's like there's a whole big dramatic thing around this yeah. like her in the bathtub. Uh and that's like contrasted with like William H. Macy, who's like the house husband who's like, Where's my dinner? You know, like Yeah, the, the, he like checks the oven and she, no she like didn't put it yeah. in there. But it's typical like nineteen fifties, mm-hmm. which is that's the decade I would go back to. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love it so much. I just love everything about it. I'm not like a skirt person, but I would wear a poodle skirt and <laughs> like just sit at like a in an ice cream parlor eating, I mean, drinking a milkshake, like dipping in my French fry. But I just love the 50s so much. And I think that's also why I love this movie. But it is, it's really cool to like just see how everything kind of goes from that typical like 1950s pristine and like black and white and then it just starts getting like more color like literally more color and just modern and you know I love that people are kind of like finding themselves and even Jeff Daniels character he's like the ice cream man and then he starts oh, painting and so good. it's so good it is so good yeah I I'm with you I love this movie um and Reese Witherspoon is so young in it yeah so what is your favorite Reese Witherspoon is it is it this is this your favorite version of Reese Witherspoon yeah I like her in this I don't know if it's my favorite I mean, I feel like I would be basic by saying legally blonde. Yeah, but like but that's like that's what you associate. You know, like that's that's I think everybody is like right. My, yeah. I think mine is legally blonde. Reese, is it okay? Yeah, I, I think that's okay to say. I'm trying to think. I'm like I don't even know what I mean, my. She's been in so many is. things, but it's like, but that's I know. But if, if that's the one you think of first, you know, like yeah, le- I think of legally blonde Reese more than I think of like Pleasantville Reese, where she's like. Pleasantville, she's like the bad girl, which is like doesn't yeah, seem to me typical on bland Reese, even though I love her in this movie. I, I think more like Legally Blonde or maybe Walk the Line where she's still like that, like, you know, she's got that twang yeah. and she, you know, I don't know. I, and she's like, I'll singer go with songs. Legally Blonde. All right. You can have Legally Blonde and I'll take Walk the Line, Reese. Okay. <laughs> uh, Pleasantville. I'll have to revisit because I do love that so much. Um, so I, mine is Samantha Who, which is a series, not a movie, but it is I don't know a what classic, this is. even though it's not that old. <laughs> it just has, it, it's from 2007. So it's a little old. So it's a TV show that's now on Hulu and there are only two seasons. It is so freaking funny. Stars Christina Applegate as Samantha and she's this terrible person and she's in a hit and run accident and wakes up with amnesia. And so she forgets her former life. And she forgets, like, that she was a bad person, and now she's trying to be a better person. <laughs> she's trying to be a good person. So this cast is incredible. It's Christina Applegate, Melissa McCarthy, Jennifer Esposito. They both pay, play her best friends. Gene Smart from Hacks Oh, my God. Is the mom. This is a good cast. Kevin Dunn from Veep is the dad. Barry Watson from Seventh Heaven is, like, her love interest. There's so many good, good, good people wow, in this show. Wow, that's a throwback. It's, <laughs> I know, Watson. Seventh Heaven. I know. Um, <laughs> but it's so good. And the tone of the show is so fun. It's very easily bingeable. There's only two seasons again. But it's a rare sitcom from that time period that's actually laugh out loud funny. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there, there were just very few of that, like, situational... I feel like 30 Rock and The Office had like a very different tone that we eventually mm. got. But like Samantha, who still has that sitcom feel, but is actually funny. And Melissa McCarthy is like the unpopular one. And Jennifer Esposito is the popular one. And like the remembers her from her bitchy days. Like those are the two friends. And it's a nice contrast. And they're both so funny. They steal every scene that they're in. And honestly, I could watch, I could probably watch Jennifer Esposito do anything. She's I love she's Melissa so McCarthy. So good. She's and so I actually great. love Christina Applegate. She's so good. Absolutely. In I mean, 
I, when I was a kid and I was watching like Married with Children and I wasn't supposed to be watching Married with Children, but I was, and Christine Applegate played the daughter and I just thought that's who she was. And she played such a dumb, ditzy character that I just thought, and it was just brilliant. Yeah. It was brilliant acting. You know what I mean? And it was yeah. phenomenal. And I was like, who is this? How, how are we, how is she still working? And it was because she's just a phenomenal actress and such a great comedian. I was actually going to pick, I was, I was going between Pleasantville and another one of uh, Christina Applegate's movies. Maybe I'll have to save it for another. Oh, time. is it the sweetest thing? No. Oh, what's, what's... But I do love that. I do love that movie. I actually watched that recently. Um, you can don't tell mom the babysitter's oh dead. Oh my gosh, so good. Oh my <laughs> I god, love I'm that right movie. on top of that rose. So... Oh <laughs> please, that I mean, it's just the best of the best. So freaking it's so good. good. It's so good. Oh my gosh, uh, and. This isn't a pick of mine for a classic spotlight, but I did, while we're talking about this, want to mention Speed 2. I know that's a random movie, but it just turned 25. And uh, Pure Wow's executive editor and my And Just Like That podcast co-host, Derek Katz, just wrote a piece about it uh, (laughs) because of the 25th anniversary. And she wrote, quote, Sandra Bullock's worst movie ever turns 25 this month. Naturally, I had to rewatch it. And yeah, it's bad. It's like someone said, let's take speed, but lower the stakes and make it way more expensive. <laughs> it's a really great article. You should check it out uh, on PureWow. Um, and Bullock did recently say that she regretted making this movie. So at least she knows that it's a bad movie. But I just wanted to mention that sometimes you can have a classic, as we've, we've done in pre- previous, previous yeah. weeks with Anaconda, and it yeah. can just be bad. So, oh my you know, gosh. if you want to hate watch something, maybe Speed 2 is <laughs> the one for you. I don't even think I saw the first one. I think I've, I've seen parts of it. Speed That's is where incredible. they're on the bus, oh, right? Oh, yeah. And Sandra Bullock yeah. is incredible in it. It's such a good, it's a good, good movie. But Speed 2 is not. It's not. <laughs> They're on a boat. A slow-moving cruise ship. Jesus Christ. Whose idea was this? Of all the transportation, it could have been on a plane. It could have been on um, anything. <laughs> anything. A train. All the things that go fast. Why did you pick Speed 2 to be on a slow-moving thing? It makes no sense. Oh, my God. It's really, really stupid. Yeah, those writers were struggling, oh, yeah, I guess. yeah. Just terrible. Well, we're almost done, but what did we learn this week, Rachel? What we learned. I feel like I learned two things. Go. That I love Christina Applegate. Like, I'm re- I was reminded of how much I love her. Mm-hmm. And also that I just love the 50s and now I want a milkshake, so. I learned that Patricia Heaton is r- real free with the word castrated, all right? <laughs> Calm down, Patricia. Calm down. Can we please get that on a shirt? I'm, please. Yeah. Available, available for sale on iTunes, apparently. <laughs> uh, well, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, and until next week, I promise I will Google where you can listen to podcasts since we're on <laughs> one. Talk to you soon, Rachel. Bye, Phil. That's it for Stream On. Follow us on Instagram at shows and at Pure Wow. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Stream On is a Pure Wow and Gallery Media Group production.